From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining. It's the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. This morning, we're going to discuss the traditional first meal of the new year. Do you and your family eat black-eyed peas on January 1st? Well, what do you eat with it? Cabbage, greens, cornbread? Do you know the reason why people eat this meal on January 1st? We're looking for your comments and uh, calls this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or you can send an email. It's food at mpbonline.org This is Deep South Dining from MPB Think Radio. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. The U.N. Security Council has unanimously approved a resolution to send monitors to the northern Syrian city of Aleppo. The resolution calls for the monitors to observe the evacuation from rebel-held eastern Aleppo. The evacuation got going again late yesterday after stalling on Friday. NATO ambassadors and Russian diplomats are meeting in Brussels today. NPR's Soraya Sarhadi Nelson reports from Berlin. The meeting comes at a low point in relations between the two. Expectations are low for any breakthrough on major issues like Syria or Ukraine a month before Donald Trump takes office. Both NATO and Moscow are waiting to see whether American policy toward Russia will change. But the hope is that NATO and Russia will agree on how to handle unexpected military encounters in the air and at sea as both sides intensify their exercises along each other's borders. NATO officials are trying to reassure Russia that their deployments of 4,000 troops to the Baltics and Poland early next year are purely defensive. The alliance complains about the 330,000 troops Moscow has reportedly sent to its western borders this year. Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, NPR News, Berlin. Moving to California, where closing arguments begin today in the corruption trial of one of the most powerful law enforcement officials in California to face criminal prosecution. Former L.A. Sheriff Lee Baca is accused of conspiring to stonewall an FBI investigation into allegations that prisoners in county jails were beaten. Daniel Carson reports on the complaint portrayals of Baca's involvement in the scandal. Baca's defense basically centered on one thing, his character. Witnesses praised the former sheriff as a man of integrity and a consummate professional. But prosecutors argued sheriff's deputies circled the wagons and hatched a plan to hide an FBI informant from investigators, moving him to different jails. The FBI's David Bowditch says Baca knew about the scheme and did nothing. Some in the rank and file were under the gun and they were being prosecuted and ultimately convicted. He had the opportunity to lead. He did not lead. Almost 20 former sheriff's officials have been convicted or pleaded guilty in connection with the case. For NPR News, I'm Danielle Carson in Los Angeles. With members of the Electoral College preparing to cast their ballots for president today, President Obama is thinking about the future of the Democratic Party. I am a proud Democrat, but I do think that Um, We have a bias towards national issues and international issues, and uh, as a consequence, uh, I think we've ceded too much territory, and I take some responsibility for that. President Obama speaking there in a wide-ranging interview with Morning Edition airing this week. Obama suggests that Democrats should figure out how to strengthen the party from the ground up. And from Washington, you're listening to NPR News.
A court in France has found the chief of the International Monetary Fund guilty of negligence. The case stems from when Christine Lagarde was France's finance minister and concerns a more than $400 million payout to a business tycoon in 2008. The judges said Lagarde's negligence led to the misappropriation of government funds by other people. The court did not hand down any prison time. In St. Paul, Minnesota, the police officer charged in the traffic stop death of an African-American man in July is scheduled to appear in court today. John Collins of Minnesota Public Radio reports. Geronimo Yanez, an officer in the suburban St. Anthony, Minnesota Police Department, is set to appear for a second hearing at a Ramsey County courthouse. Yanez is charged with second-degree manslaughter and two firearms charges in connection with the death of 32-year-old Philando Castile. Yanez fatally shot Castile during a traffic stop this summer. Castile's girlfriend and her four-year-old daughter were also in the car during the shooting. Castile's death sparked widespread protests around the Twin Cities and across the country. Yanez's attorneys have filed a motion asking that all charges against him be dismissed. He hasn't yet entered a plea. For NPR News, I'm John Collins in St. Paul, Minnesota. Terminal operations at Los Angeles International Airport returning to normal following power outages last night. An airport spokeswoman says the outages affected mostly the central terminal area as well as some other areas near the airport. She says no flights were canceled, but some baggage handling systems were partially down. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include 20th Century Fox with Hidden Figures, based on a true story of three women pioneers who helped NASA to win the space race, featuring original music from Pharrell Williams. And select theaters Christmas Day, everywhere January 6th. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email food at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. This morning, we're going to talk about the traditional first meal of the year as uh, New Year's just around the corner. Uh, do you and your family eat black-eyed peas on January 1st? Well, what do you eat with it? Cabbage, greens, cornbread? And what's the reason why people eat this meal to start off the new year? You can call in with your comments and life experiences with us this morning. Give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, or you can send us an email, food at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Deborah. Hope that you had a good weekend. Good morning, Kevin. I had a wonderful weekend. I mean, it finally turned cold, <laughs> so I'm kind of hoping it stays like this until Christmas. Uh, on yesterday, I uh, had the uh, privilege of hanging out with the fabulous C.J. Rogues. He invited us there um, to participate on his talk show, and that was a lot of fun. And um, I... Um, cooked quite a few rum cakes over the, the weekend, <laughs> Kevin. That's been really funny. Uh, but yeah, I've had an amazing weekend. Thank you. And you? Uh, I was uh, <clears throat> in Pensacola visiting my brother, and we went on something that uh, I guess the maybe the Downtown Association or somebody sponsors it. It's called Winterfest. And uh, what it was was uh, the trolley, and you drive around the downtown area, and every so often um, people come on board and act out various holiday-related thing. For instance, it started out 
uh, with uh, Ebenezer Scrooge <clears throat> and the ghost of Jacob Marley. And so they hopped on the bus and we drove around for a while and then he got off and it was like every couple of blocks that we would pick up somebody and it would tell the story of that. So there was that. They had the Peanuts characters. They had um, the Polar Express. Um, they had uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Wow. So it was it was really fun. It was an interesting thing. And like I said, I think every every unemployed actor and every student <laughs> in drama class for the entire area of Pensacola was in it because it was it ended up it was an hour long tour and it ended up with probably eight or nine different stops. Um, so um, my brother and I enjoyed it, but also we were t- just talking about the logistics behind it because you had these uh, trolleys going every twelve minutes. And you know, had to say on some sort of schedule, uh, these actors were having to, on some cases, would get off the trolley and then run several blocks, I guess, and show up at another location. So also, oh, wow. you had uh, high school kids the, in Whoville. They also did uh, <laughs> The Grinch That Stole Christmas. So there were, uh, and there's a scene where they're, you know, dancing around the Christmas tree in their pajamas. But I'm thinking it, it must be an odd job to have where you, and it lasted, you know, from like five until nine. It's in every 12 minutes. So it's like... Uh, it, it was a lot of work on their part, so I thought it was very well done. But you could also, again, appreciate the whole logistics of the thing and the fact that it was uh, an interesting uh, Christmas job for for those those that were involved in it. So, oh, that sounds like it was a whole lot of fun, Kevin. But you know, a lot of times um, when we watching television or watching a theatrical play, we really don't understand all of the hard work. And your word is logistics that go into making sure that every scene is perfect. So, you know, we salute those people that entertain us. That's right. It's a lot of hard work, the choreography and the singing and and that sort of thing. Although it was funny, you know, Jacob Marley is the ghost in the Christmas uh, Carol uh, that first comes to Scrooge. And uh, at the end of the tour, the tour, the conductor was like the, in our, on our trolley, he said something about uh, enjoy the Christmas season. He said he said Bob Marley instead of uh, Jacob Marley. <laughs> he probably had one too many Bob Marleys. That, that's a whole nother show, Kevin. <laughs> that's hilarious. Anyway, that was a lot of fun, and it uh, I think it was ranked as one of the top you know Christmas things in the Southeast, and I can understand why. It's, again, a lot of hard work into that, and a lot of fun, a very unique uh, Christmas experience. Speaking of unique Christmas experiences, Kevin, I really want to thank you for the gift that you gave me this morning. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, so I finally know, you guys, I've, I tease Kevin all the time about being my Monday morning man. So he made me really happy this morning. He brought me the most amazing handcrafted uh, Christmas ornaments that he actually made himself. So I love you for that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that's the, the most amazing part of it is it, it, it actually something I made turned out good. Cause. It's be- <coughs> beautiful. I wish you guys could see them. And one of them actually has a heart shape in it, which was perfect for me because I collect heart shapes. So, Kevin, thank you so much. Certainly. It was a lot of fun to make those. So like I said, that's uh, it, when you don't do crafts very well, if you hit upon one that you're successful <laughs> with, it's like, he's not making those homemade ornaments again, is he? <laughs> anyway, we're going to be talking today about the first meal of the year. So if you have uh, something that you and your family like to enjoy on January 1st, let us know if it's something maybe from your childhood growing up, something your family did while uh, you were growing up that uh, signified the, the beginning of the new year via food. Let us know. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven 
672-7464. You can email the show food at mpbonline.org. So I thought uh, that maybe we could talk a little bit, Deborah, about what you brought in, and then uh, we can uh, expand the conversation to talk about uh, summing the meaning behind the things that uh, people eat, because it's not just a meal slapped together on the first, but almost everything in the meal uh, has some sort of meaning to it and, and symbolism. So we'll get into that. Uh, but first of all, like I said, uh, delicious um, 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 cabbage that you brought in today. Uh, also some cornbread, but let's start with the with the cabbage. How did you whip that up? Well, Kevin, you know, cabbage is uh, absolutely one of my um, favorite in the green family. And one of the reasons is because they're so easy. They're almost flawless to, uh, to make in terms of messing them up. You just can't. Um, and basically, I just today I just took some basic green cabbage. We didn't use the red or you know add any color, just the green cabbage today. And I uh, sliced them up in the long slices, and I, I literally just uh, fry them in a cast iron skillet this morning. Tossed them up with a little bit of olive oil. We added in some sausage because you know that's one of my favorite staples. And it's just really simple: a little salt, a little pepper. It's nothing fancy. It's one of those meals that shows up at the first of the year, and I made some amazing hot water cornbread. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, Kevin. You know, I, I like uh, coleslaw, and I like uh, cabbage. I, I, I've not eaten a lot of, of, of cooked cabbage, but what I liked about that was that even at it, when it was cooked, it wasn't obviously wasn't as crunchy as raw cabbage, but to me it was interesting that it retained a little bit of the crispiness, the crunch, and again, you know, from our talks on here, that I really like that idea of of the textures of the food, and and again, the food. I mean, the the presentation was also really good. So the the greens and the whites of the of the cabbage, and then with the with the sausage in there, it was really good. Well, you know, th- that's the other thing too about cabbage. Uh, some you can. Cook them uh, to the coarseness that you like. Some people like them extremely soft. I like them with just a tiny bit of bite in them. It, uh, it really it excites the senses more when you kind of just have just a tiny little bite left in the cabbage. And, of course, here in the South, we use a little bit of uh, pepper sauce, you know, or some hot peppers with your cabbage. But that little extra bite just, for me, just makes it um, so much better. And then a, a, you add it with that cornbread, Kevin, and it's just a southern classic. So uh, at the grocery store, some tips maybe if you're looking at the at the cabbage, uh, not section, but in the vegetable section, um, what what to look for to get a good cabbage? Well, you know, the, the thing, the beautiful thing about cabbage is it's a tight leaf green. And so one of the things that I'm always going to do is I'm going to sneak a peek. I'll sometimes pull back the first layer. And if, you know, you don't want to see any uh, dark spots or uh, little things crawling around in there, to, so you, that'll give you a great sign. And you want to make sure that the, that it's really firm, uh, that there's no damage on the outside, that there are no brown spots or whatever. And um, that's really about it, Kevin. It's you know, it's really simple to pick a, a really great cabbage. But sometimes you just want to, especially if the foliage is already opened up. Now, if it's closed really tightly, you're probably just good to pick that one up. But if the leaves have started to open up a little bit, just peek in there to make sure that everything is okay. And uh, one head of cabbage in that, or was it more than that? With the, what I, I brought in today, Kevin, it was actually uh, just one head of cabbage. You know, it's not a lot of people here today, so it was, it was just enough to put in a nice casserole dish. Uh, but it depends on the you know size of your crowd. But usually uh, one to two cabbage will make a nice skillet full if you're going to fry them uh it's, it's just the right amount because it, they got to wilt down, you know, mm-hmm. in your oil. So absolutely. But I would say that uh, what you brought in, that's probably 
the feeds, I would say, four, five, six people out of one head of cabbage, so that's good. Well, it just depends on who the people Z is. <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you're able to feed, you know, because there's always going to be that one relative that's coming for the holiday, Kevin, whether it's Christmas or whatever, you know, that, oh, it's so good, and they're not going to ever, and you're just going, could you just go sit down already? Yeah. So. I'd like to some for somebody else. <laughs> Uh, we need to take our first break this hour. Looking for folks to call in and talk about your experiences uh, with the first meal of the year. Is there always something special on your dinner plate on New Year's Eve or on New Year's Day? That is, if so, uh, let us know about it. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to food at mpbonline dot org. Back with more after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. To give or not to give your child a smartphone. Why is it so hard for parents to answer that question? The thing about parenting today with digital technology is that you don't have your own experience to go back to and look at. You can't remember because when you were 10, there probably weren't cell phones. I'm Robert Siegel, just in time for the holidays, smartphone strategies for families. Later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email food at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're talking about the first meal of the new year. What do folks like to eat on January 1st and some of the significance of the uh, uh, parts of the meal, the different things that you'll eat. Uh, we've talked about uh, Deborah making some uh, uh, cabbage and with some sausage, also some hot water cornbread. We'll uh, get into that in just a minute, but we've got on the line our friend Joey from Tremont. Good morning, Joey. Hey, Joey. How Happy are you? Holidays, y'all. Happy holidays, y'all. Happy holidays. What do you have Thank for you. us? Uh, growing up, uh, it was mandatory. You had black-eyed peas and hog jowl mm-hmm. on New Year's. Absolutely. And the old people said you'd have money all year if you ate <laughs> that on New Year's. Did that, that ever turn out? <laughs> never worked for me. Never worked for me. Throw you a chunk hog jowl in there, and there you go. That's all the way, all the way I know to cook. Yeah. But uh, since I figured out it, it really didn't work, I started flipping burgers on New Year's Day <laughs> in anticipation of the warmth of Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's too funny. All right. Joey, thanks for the call. Good call there. That, uh, that certainly black-eyed peas is one of those uh, very traditional uh, things uh, to eat on New Year's Day. Although, <clears throat> you know, I would be scared. It's it's like if you do something every year and it never happens, it's like playing the lottery. If you have a number and you play the lottery, you know the first time you don't play the lottery, the numbers are going to win. So, uh, <laughs> Joey, maybe press on with the with the black-eyed peas. One one of these years, maybe uh, your ship will come in. So That is too funny, Kevin. Yeah, I'm still clicking my heels, too, okay? <laughs> So um, hot water cornbread, talk a little bit about that. Oh, my gosh, Kevin. Hot water cornbread is old as Mississippi. It really is a wonderful, wonderful way to have cornbread. It is. Um, and this morning, I'm going to go ahead and confess, I overslept a little bit because I was all tucked under the cover and nice and cozy. And then when the alarm went off and I kind of like turned it off. <laughs> And then I jumped up and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I didn't have time to, you know, whip up the cornbread and, and bake it in the oven. But I did have time to whip together some hot water cornbread. And basically, you're using the same elements. You're going to use your two cups of flour. It's a, a three-fourths cups of, uh, I'm sorry, two cups of cornmeal, uh, three-fourths cups of flour. You've got one egg. You've got uh, two tablespoons of salt. And you add about the same much of sugar, amount of sugar. And I chopped up some chives and added in just to, to give it a little extra bite and some black pepper. And you whip that up really good together. You take your egg before you add it in and whip it before you add it in. And then you add it into your uh, dry good mix. Why that's happening, you're boiling some hot water, literally, and it needs to be boiled. And then little by little, you stir it in until you get your um, dry goods almost to a thick pasty consistency you don't want it wet you want it and runny you want it really thick and that way you can scoop out balls of cornbread and drop them into this hot grease and in, in my cast iron skillet and it's just absolutely amazing Kevin it's quick it's easy um, and it's the first cousin I guess to hash uh, hush puppies mm -hmm. but it's just a great way to have uh, cornbread yeah, and then again, the color, really a bright uh, yellow color, and they were quite tasty, and I, I, I like the, the chives in there, a little kick it up just a little bit. Thank you. Uh, we've got another caller on the line. We're off to Wayne County this morning as Dorothy's called in. Good morning, Dorothy. Hey, Dorothy. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Fine. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. What do you have for us this morning? Well, they were asking what was the meal, the cabbage. The cabbage, the black-eyed peas, and it's also pork cornbread. And it's supposed to be a meal for health and prosperity. Absolutely. So what, what's your favorite part of that meal, Dorothy? Uh, well, the cabbage. Cabbage and the peas. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My favorite as well. <laughs> All righty. Thanks for calling in this morning. Yeah, that's a tasty Kevin, way to start. Kevin, I'm going to mess with you. And if you really want to eat them black-eyed peas the right way on your cabbage, you can't use a fork. I'm just going to leave the rest to your imagination. <laughs> Chopsticks? No, sir. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The beautiful thing about growing up in the South, you know, is that being able to get that comfortable when you're having a meal and you just pull out your fingers, Kevin. is. <laughs> Talking about table etiquette, right? So we're asking this morning, uh, what do you eat on January 1st, your first meal of the of the year, to bring you maybe good luck or good fortune? Give us a call this morning and let us know at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to food at mpbonline.org. As I mentioned uh, when we were off air, um, my 
my family is not from the South originally, and so a lot of the stuff that I didn't really uh, partake in, and I don't know that there's other in other parts of the country. I don't know if there are other traditions uh, like this on January 1st in terms of what to eat for the new year. So again, if you're uh, listening and you're from outside of the South originally, what what are some of the traditions for folks in other parts of the country? It would be interesting to see because this certainly, uh, I think if you do live in the South, you're certainly going to come across this idea of, you know, what to eat on the on the first to get the, the year started off uh, on a good way. So <clears throat> we've talked about it. So we've got uh, black-eyed peas, uh, greens or cabbage, um, cornbread, um, are there any other traditional things that I'm missing? One of the things you, that um, I don't know if you mentioned pork Mm-mm. and rice will show up as part of that staple. And usually it's the rice and black eyed peas together and they're called Hoppin' Johns when it's served that way. And it's really a wonderful, wonderful way to have the dish. And me, I like to add a little bit of uh, tomatoes uh, and okra with my peas over my rice and it's just Absolutely delicious, Kevin. And if you have them the day after New Year's, it's called um, Hoppin' Jenny. Uh-huh. Yaha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder why it changes like that. Well, I don't know, Kevin, but I thought it was pretty funny. You know, it's Hoppin' John the day before and Hoppin' Jenny the day after, so... Um, do you know anything about the origin? How, how is it that folks started uh, eating these uh, these foods? You know what, Kevin? Um, I'm really that's a great question. So if anybody can help us with that this morning, I would love to know why that actually started. I'm wondering if it's uh, you know kind of like uh, some of the traditions of Mardi Gras deal with Lent and deal with uh, these were the foods that were on hand. So I'm wondering if it's the same sort of thing was these were maybe kind of things that were around and uh, common things, and so uh, that that was what there was there. And then as the tradition you know continued, that there became some significance out of you know what it was that folks were eating. That that's very possible, Kevin. You know, when you look at what the staples are, you you're looking at uh, cabbage and rice and uh, black eyed peas, which were at that time, you know, dried black eyed peas traditionally when it started. And so when you look at it, you're looking at uh, what some people would call a poor man's meal, mm-hmm. and it was and it's the whole idea that you are wishing for wealth and wishing for great health. So a lot of these traditional things that we enjoy and think are fun really came out of, you know, historical events where people were impoverished and, you know, pressing forward to do better in life. Got a caller on the line. Let's uh, return to the phones as we say good morning to Joe in Tippa County. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Joe. Uh, talking about peas, I remember a four-line poem. I eat molasses on my peas. I've done it all my life. The molasses is not for the taste, but it keeps them on my knife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that, Joe. Very good. Is uh, so? Is that your tradition on New Year's? Is the black eyed peas? Oh yeah, yeah. It is. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you for the poem. That was so cute. Always good to hear from you, Joe. Thanks for the call. Uh, this is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. We're talking today about the first meal of the year and foods that uh, bring folks good luck and good fortune on January first. Give us a call if you'd like to join in the conversation. The phone number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to food at mpbonline.org. <clears throat> so good as uh, always. Uh, again, I, I like to thank the folks that got these two little small computers in the control room because we've got uh, the internet here, and I've found a site. Uh, Epicurious.com that talks about the foods that bring good fortune. The first one, sweet and sour sauerkraut. Which is interesting because... Well, it's still in the green family, Kevin. Yeah, Yeah. it's... uh... 
uh, it's not just eating cabbage. You're actually any type of green at the new year, whether it's uh, collard greens or kale or sauerkraut. You get to eat anything that represents um, paper money. Right. So it's yeah. the green color, and so that's the the money then. Right. I guess. All right. Right. All right. But that p- cabbage is partly white too, though. So it's still yeah. But if you look at your American dollar, <laughs> well, that's Kevin. true. Green and white. That's <laughs> a good so point. Funny. Very, very good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brown butter, cream, winter winter greens. Okay, uh-huh. uh, sausage and lentils with fennel. I believe a lentil is. Um... It's a bean, and the, your beans represent your corn money, Kevin. All right, so black eyed peas or beans, then uh, the coins. Your, your coins uh, very good. Yeah. Right, right. That makes sense. Uh, fennel is kind of a, a related to a green, isn't it? Fennel. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I guess you could say that, Kevin. Isn't it a long kind of? <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that uh, – anyway, we'll, I'll look that up when, well, during the next break. Uh, what else do we have on the list? Hoppin' John salad with molasses dressing. That seems awfully Southern. Uh, <laughs> sauerkraut with apples. Um, uh, New Year's orange and brandy cake. That sounds pretty good. Coffee glazed donuts. That's a good way to start the new year. So That's a good way to start any morning, Kevin. <laughs> Sharita's going, no way. <laughs> but fennels are peas, uh, Kevin. I, I, lentils or fennels? No, lentils. I'm thinking lentils. Okay, right. Yes. I, th- I thought fennel was a long kind of whitish green type of greens type of thing. I, I, oh, well, I, you know what? We'll Google it. Yeah, I was going to say, we have to look that up during the break. Or if someone knows what fennel is that's listening this morning, <laughs> so give us a silly. call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring The phone number is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Uh interesting. Uh, this also says grapes are um New Year's revelers in Spain consume twelve grapes at midnight, one grape for each stroke at the clock. This dates back to nineteen oh nine when grape growers uh initiated the practice to take care of grape surplus. See now wow. that's smart. You wow. get the grape farmers thinking we got all these extra grapes around here. What can we do? And then someone comes up with the idea of, well, let's have everybody eat 12 grapes at the strike of midnight. That would be fun, you know, with an old-fashioned clock, eating one grape as each chime. So you're eating grapes and drinking wine by the time you get to 12 o'clock, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> ah, we've got uh, our friend Marlou from Jackson on the line. Marlou, oh, good morning. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Marlou. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. <laughs> so, I wanted to say to all your listeners in German, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. So, Marlu, what are what are some German traditions for the new year? Oh, goodness. You know, I've been away for many years, but I remember when I was a teenager, my parents always had a party, and we had sauerkraut mm-hmm. and some kind of pork, mm-hmm. and, um, of course, beer and wine, and <laughs> it make you happy. And I'm trying to think what else, all kinds of sweets. Mm-hmm. But I have very happy memories of New Year's Eve. All right. All right, uh, Marlo, thanks for calling. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> but again, you know, the sauerkraut, the greens, and then the pork. So it sounds, it's interesting, <clears throat> and we talked about this before, <clears throat> the way that food traditions can vary regional, but there's often a, a sort of a commonality to a lot of 
of the food things that we eat. And I guess that makes sense. There's a limited number of things on the earth to eat. But <laughs> interesting how each, you know, each area, each uh, culture kind of takes their own spin on things. Absolutely, Kevin. And it, and it goes back to we are more alike than we are different. And it's it's wonderful to be able to travel. And uh, I don't know, people are going to call in a minute and say, well, she doesn't know what fennel is, but I'm just having fun <laughs> and being silly this morning. But um, to be able to travel the world and, you know, learn so many things about people and culture. And then you sit down to have a meal and you realize, you know, we really are a lot alike. You know, it's it's just quite incredible. And I think that's where, you know, the idea of the U.S. being the melting pot again. So we, we, we've gotten the benefit of all of the, the other cultures, people coming to the, this country to live and it, it being kind of mixed together and, and Americanized. So that's a lot of fun, too. Speaking of fennel. Uh, Cynthia, <laughs> Cynthia's called in from Paris this morning. All right, Cynthia, help us out with the fennel. Hey, Cynthia. Hi, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry fennel, Christmas. you're right. It's uh, uh, kind of in the celery family. Mm-hmm. It's crunchy. And it, uh, you cut it up and put it in salads, but it has an anise flavor, and I love it because Anything that tastes licorice-y, I love it. All right. Oh, wow. Fantastic. All right. Thanks for the call. See, I thought I'd seen it on the Food Network or whatever, and I remembered because they said the way it's sent, you have to rinse it because there can be some dirt, I guess because the way it's grown and harvested. Well, that, I, uh, you know, with most of your vegetables, and, you know, and this is just a rule, especially, you know, growing up in my mom's house, anything that you're going to cook, Kevin, wash it and rinse it off before you start preparing it. I, you know, I've seen people, you know, buy stuff and pull it right out of the bag and start cooking, and I go, oh, wow. But, yeah, definitely want to make sure that you're rinsing and washing your vegetables before you start to uh, to cook them. All right, uh, need to take another quick break. When we get back, we're continuing our discussion. We're talking about things to eat on January 1st first for good fortune and good luck in the new year. So what is your uh, January 1st New Year's meal? Give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 Send an email to food at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. For the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Nina Totenberg. You can support the programs you love by donating that unwanted vehicle. It's served you well over the years and can still get you around town, but let's face it, it's just taking up space. Donate it today. It could be worth hundreds of dollars to this station, and you could get a tax deduction. And thank you. Go to mpbonline.org and find the contribution link on our homepage. We appreciate your support of our programs. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or email food at mpbonline.org. 
This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter. We're talking today about the first meal of the new year. Um, I think we had a question about the cornbread recipe, and it says, did you mean two uh, teaspoons of salt instead of two tablespoons of salt? Yeah, I'm sorry, I did. Two teaspoons. Please don't put two tablespoons (laughs) of salt. The little tea and not the big tea, or else it'll be awfully salty, that's for sure. That's one of those things where if you did that mistake, you would only do it once. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You definitely get it right after that. Uh, We've got another caller on the line, so this time we're going to say good morning to Sam, who's in Jackson. Hello, Sam. Hey, Sam. Good morning. Uh, I'm from West Tennessee. Okay. Um, I heard in uh, north central Mississippi where I went to meet the family of my uh, my wife. Uh, uh, at that time, we were just engaged. But I was a student at Mississippi College, and I heard an alternate uh, version of the uh, Peas on the Knife poem. Okay, go ahead. There. It's not about New Year, but anyway, it's related to your program. And it's uh, it goes like this. I eat my peas with honey, not molasses. I eat my peas with honey. I've done so all my life. It makes the peas taste funny, but it holds them on the knife. <laughs> well, you know what? Anything with honey will hold it on the knife. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Very good, Sam. Thanks uh, Thanks for calling. Uh, happy holidays to you. Uh, let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next, we're going to Mary in Braxton. Good morning, Mary. Hey, good Mary. Morning. <laughs> Fantastic. What do you have for us today? Well, uh, fennel tops are often used uh, for decoration because they're feathery. Mm-hmm. And so that, but it's also they also sometimes put it in soup. Uh huh. Very good. Yeah, we uh, we saw a picture of it, and you're right that those green stalks. It is make really pretty. Uh, it's got pretty. kind of a, a white bulb at the bottom. So, um, well, the great we, we're learning. It's, it's you're never too old to learn about uh, new things. Absolutely. So that's uh, great. Uh, we've got Mikey on the line from Mobile now. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning, and first of all, happy holidays and happy New Year to all of us, especially to you two. Thank, Thank you. Thank you um, so much. And uh, I got a, a tip that, you know, I wish I'd learned this quite a few decades earlier, but uh, it regards, when you're making a lot of dressing, we made it in cafeteria pans, okay? <laughs> 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 this, this was for the family. <laughs> Um, uh, cleaning it and, uh, you know, instead of, we always took it apart and cleaned each thing and whatever. I found a much easier way to do it. You get, you, um, uh, whatever liter soda bottle will fit the stalk of celery that you have. Of course, this will work for, um, uh, fennel also. Um, but so that it's the length, you, you cut off the top of it to the length of whatever the stalk is. You cut off, the, you turn the stalk sideways, and you cut off the top half inch or whatever all the way across with the knife, and you put that aside for something else, put it in the compost pile. Then you fill that liter bottle with cold water, and you insert that stalk upside down so that the root is up the top and you swish it up and down like turning butter or a washing machine and you do that two or three times and you pull it out and you shake the water off then you put I I like to take my cutting board and put a bunch of newspaper underneath because I'm lazy and I want to do as little cleanup as possible and you put that stalk on top of the cutting board and you you slice across uh, from the bottom up now, you don't slice into the area because you're probably not going to get down into the dirt that's in the bottom of that, that bulb, right? 
So you just slice enough to, you know, to, to get whatever you want. But you slice that so that it's going the long way. Then you slice across so that you get that dice mm-hmm. so easily. It takes about five minutes rather than the method of taking it apart and washing each one. And now as you get more towards the bottom of the bulb, of course, what I do with it is uh, cut it down to about two or three inches or whatever. And then I take that part, and it's very easy to peel and rinse off. And I use that for stuffing with um, uh, pimento cheese. <laughs> oh, very good. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the other thing is uh, the sauerkraut, it works well. It, I discovered this by accident. Um, the sauerkraut works excellently when you cook it with the cabbage because for some reason it turns both the sauerkraut and the cabbage with a wonderful sweetness. Now, All right. Maybe because I got some German background, but anyhow, I hope everybody has great holidays. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I couldn't help but, but babble it out. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mikey. Good uh, time saver there. Yeah, then that's the thing. Uh, anybody that's uh, preparing meals for the holiday, if, uh, anything, a shortcut uh, certainly uh, would help out, that's for sure. Uh, we got another caller on the line. Busy day to day. Good to hear that. Tommy's on JS. Good morning, Tommy. Hi, Tommy. Morning. Go ahead. I have a question about cornbread fritters. I'd like to ask Miss Diane how she prepares hers. Okay. Uh, corn fritters. Well, actually, you know, it's it's really funny that you would ask. Like, you can literally take the same base that you're using to make hot water cornbread, which is your two cups of uh, cornmeal, and I use yellow cornmeal. Your three fourth cups of flour, um, one egg, and you're gonna want that egg whipped before you add it to your flour mixture. You're going to add a little bit of uh, salt and a little bit of pepper, but then you're going to drain a can of uh, corn uh, kernels and add them right into that mixture. And if you want to uh, take it up a notch, you can add you a little bit of uh, chopped jalapenos in there and then just kind of scoop them out and fry them up in your oil. And that's quick and it's easy. Uh, you know, not to, every Southerner should have a cast iron skillet because uh, when you're frying items like that you want a a heavier pot unless you have one of those you know fancy things where you can dip the oil out Mm -hmm. or whatever but it's just always good to keep a cast iron skillet on hand right well thank you and i also say i love to hear you laugh (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much i appreciate that Uh, thanks for the call tommy Uh, happy holidays to you uh this is deep south dining on mpb think radio we're talking about uh, the first meal of the year and things that people eat on New Year's for good luck and good fortune. Uh, interestingly, I had mentioned uh, the idea of the grapes. Uh, the Spain, uh, in Spain, uh, the grape growers thought of a great way to get rid of uh, grape surplus each year uh, at midnight. I guess so this would be right at New Year's Eve. There, You eat 12 grapes, uh, one for each month of the year. Uh, the idea is to swallow all the grapes before the last stroke of midnight, but it says that this tradition uh, spread through Spain and Portugal and into a lot of the colonies such as Venezuela, Cuba, Mexico, Ecuador, and Peru. In uh, Peru, they actually have a 13th grape, like a baker's dozen there. I guess that's just to make sure that things are going to go well. It also says uh, that if the third grape is a little sour, maybe a bit squishy or whatever, better watch out because that means March is not going to be a great year. So that's a lot of fun. So that's interesting. And it is uh, fun to see that uh, these traditions go on not here in just our country and in this part of the country, but all over the world world. where people are are, uh, hoping for good luck in in the new year. So we've talked about some of the things that... um, the food uh, signifies we talked about black-eyed peas or legumes or some other sort of pea is a coin, so that's money. Um, greens uh, or cabbage signify the green dollars, so that's works. 
Um, what about uh, the pork? Is there any significance there? So have you ever heard the expression, Kevin, living high on the oh, hog? Oh, there we go. So That's it's it. really about prosperity, you know, poor pig. <laughs> <laughs> The sacrifice that guy makes all the time. Well, that's the thing. We, I certainly appreciate his sacrifices for all that bacon and the pork that he provides for <laughs> Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So, Kevin, did you know that there are some things you should not eat on New Year's Day? Uh-huh. uh-huh. All right. And uh, one of those things that is believed that you should not eat on New Year's is lobster. Okay. Because they swim backwards. Anything that swim backwards, whether it's, you know, your lobster or your shrimp or whatever, they said, don't eat it on New Year's because, Kevin, that means that you are bagging out of prosperity and good health. So, mm-hmm. sorry, lobster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's actually that fits in with the uh, prosperity because lobster takes uh, costs so much that you're not spending all that money on the lobster. Well, Kevin, you know, I'm sure some, you know, when you think about these stories, sometimes somebody had to be really creative because you're looking at your kids and you're going, so why can't I have a lobster? And some some really brilliant mom said, look. Kid, lobsters <laughs> swim backwards, and I want you to be rich in your life. And so it's funny. We've got uh, Bill on the line from Greenwood. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey. How y'all doing? Don't man? mess with Bill. On New Year's Day, we had a traditional thing, but at midnight on New Year's Eve, my mom would always give us Christmas pudding, uh, gingerbread cookies, and fruitcake. It's the kind of food cake that she made. She was a, a real hard shell Baptist. She would never take a drink, but she loaded up the food cake she made full of brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get it where you can, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can like that rum cake this morning, right? <laughs> Have you ever had a Christmas pudding? No, what is that? Uh, it's something like food cake. Uh, but it's more like pudding. It's got a lot of raisins and fruit in it. Hmm. It's it's pretty good, but it's real dense. Yeah. Real heavy. <laughs> After you eat it, you feel like you ate a rock. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> a tasty rock at that, though, I guess. Right, Bill? Yeah. All righty. Thanks, Bill, for the call. Uh, Good to hear from you this morning. Uh, This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. We've been having fun this morning talking about the things that people eat on January 1st for good luck and good prosperity in the new year. If you'd like to add to our conversation, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. The, uh, you can email the show food at mpbonline.org. All right, so now what is the cornbread? What is uh, what, what what are we getting from the cornbread? Okay, so Kevin, instantly when you saw that color this morning, what, how did you it's describe it? Hey, there there go. you go. All right, so uh, it's uh, it's interesting. So that that's a lot of you've got coins on the plate, you've got dollar bills, you've got gold. That that is a fancy plate, I will say that. And if you're right, if you eat all that. You certainly are covering your bases. And well, hoping. Kevin, looking at my bank account, I probably should start eating it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I should start in about, oh, I don't know, August 1st eating that kind of stuff. So uh, let's take one final break this hour. We've got some open phone lines. So if you'd like to join in on our conversation about the first meal of the year, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Back to wrap up the program after this.
As you watch a presidential transition, NPR News will be here with the facts to help you make sense of new appointments, new policies, and all the day's news. Listen every day. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy series, tomorrow morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email food at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today we're talking about the first meal of the new year and things that people eat uh, to bring them good luck and good fortune in the new year. Uh, found this interesting uh, site online, Epicurious.com, talking about these foods. And it's interesting. Again, these are all universal. The the uh, idea of the greens, uh, legumes, beans, or peas, pork, all of this stuff is not only here in the South, uh, in the United States, but around the world as well. And again, it's all sort of the same thing. Uh, we talked about the cooked greens signifying folded money. Uh, it says the Danish eat stewed kale sprinkled with sugar and cinnamon. Germans consume sauerkraut. Uh, and then, of course, collards are the green of choice, I think, for a lot of folks here down south. Uh, beans are the same thing, that they resemble coins or money. Um, uh, so, again, in Germany it's done. In Brazil, the first meal of the day is usually um, legumes and pork. And, again, pork jumps in there. Uh, so that's the same. It's interesting. And then... Uh, I'm scrolling down, scrolling down, pork. We've talked about that fish. Uh, that's interesting. My favorite one here at the bottom, cakes. If, it, if it's good luck to eat cake, I'm, <laughs> I'm all in for that. That's for sure. Um, now, Kevin, I think you mentioned earlier that the more greens you eat, yes. the more money you're supposed to have. Right. The, so, yeah, so stock up on the greens. The other thing is well, there is some tradition that says uh, you should eat one black-eyed pea for every day of the year. And also this uh, article suggests that... Um, it was the siege of Vicksburg during the Civil War where the the black-eyed pea gained some of its renown. That the supposedly the uh, the Union was uh, ravaging Vicksburg during the Civil War. They had run out of food, uh, but were but found some black-eyed peas and were able to eat those. And so uh, that sort of became associated with good luck. Uh, with a cake, apparently um, a round or uh, ring-shaped cake. Uh, That's where I, the donut comes from. Yeah. Uh, very boy, yeah. you are on your game today. You're right, and I guess. Uh, maybe, you know, the idea of a circle, the continuing, you know, new year, that sort of thing. Uh, and again, as you mentioned, Deborah, there is a little bit of here about not to eat. Uh, let's see. Uh, lobster, as you said, a bad idea because they move backwards. Uh, chicken is discouraged because the they bird scratch scratches the backwards, yes. which could cause uh, <laughs> regress dwelling to the past. Another theory was against eating any winged fowl because good luck could fly, fly away. away. Wow, yeah. they really put a lot of thought into this Isn't that stuff. crazy, Kevin? Uh, that might explain, you know, because we eat a lot of chicken. <laughs> so that might explain a few things, right? Uh, interestingly enough, in Germany, it's considered a good idea to leave a little bit of each food on your plate past midnight to guarantee a stocked pantry in the new year. Likewise, in the Philippines, it's important to have food on the table at midnight. Uh, the conclusion, eat as much lucky food as you can. Just don't get too greedy or the first place you'll be going in the new year is to the gym. 
And there goes the New Year's resolution, right? <laughs> well, although um, so this is not, I mean, the cakes, obviously, but some of this other stuff is, is certainly uh, healthier food, I, you know, I would guess. Uh, um, so, but yeah, it, uh, you don't want to over, that, and that's a good rule of thumb for all the holidays is, uh, you know, enjoy it, uh, but don't overdo. And I've found my, my, the easiest way for me to do that is uh, against my nature uh, at the at the holiday dinner, just take very small you know, portions of everything, because there's always such good stuff, but there's always such a great variety that, you know, just take a little little taste of each one, and I think that helps. But you know what was, um, while you were talking, Kevin, what um, just keeps running through my mind is how important it is for us to be kind to everyone, because all of us have the same hopes and dreams and ambitions, whether you live here in the U.S. or whether you're in China or whether you're, you know, in Barcelona, everybody wants love, prosperity, uh, you know, and good health. And so when we look at other people, you have to know that, the, you know, they want the same things out of life for themselves and their family and friends that we do. So it's a really great way to, uh, you know, to, to just be mindful, uh, you know, of other people. And when you're sitting down and enjoying a meal, it's what we always say here is that the whole world is at your table. So, And then, you know, what uh, I think whatever also makes um Certainly a New Year's meal special, and again, during the holidays, family gets together, so it, it's always good when you can have friends and family nearby to sort of kick off the new year and full of hope and that sort of thing. So You mean it's a- not that glass of bubbly, Kevin? <laughs> 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 I mean, because we've talked about everything else, but we haven't mentioned that. And it's really funny to me that, you know, we have all of these foods that are really not very expensive, but then you want to end the meal uh, with a glass of champagne, and that's been a tradition all over the world. Everybody, you know, says a toast and cheer. And if you get the right bottle of champagne, Kevin, it's quite expensive. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I only t- I take a small a small glass, and then that's it. So try to try to be careful there. I'm so. always I've got <clears throat> cider always in my cup, Kevin. So <laughs> that might explain a few things. So give us a, maybe a, a quick recipe uh, uh, for black eyed peas. What's a good way to prepare them? Well, you know, Kevin, this is a great uh, another great reason to have your crock pot um, in in your house because um, usually I'm buying the dry beans and one of the things that you want to do of course is you want to soak those beans before you actually start to cook them so you know uh Rinse them, put them in a container, and soak them anywhere from an hour to two hours. And uh, once you rinse them off, add some fresh water. And it's been said for some people to boil them even for five minutes before you actually put them in the crock pot. Once you put them in your crock pot, you want to cover them you know, over with your water. And now it's time to have fun by adding all the seasonings that you love. And, of course, you know I like a little spice. So I'm adding some crushed red peppers. I'm adding a little bit of uh, cayenne to it, some salt, some pepper, you know, all the amazing seasonings. And once these peas have cooked uh, for a couple of hours, Kevin, and start to tender, I'm going to add in some other things like a little bit of salt pork, uh, perhaps, especially if you're going to do them for New Year's to allow that meat to cook in and to add that extra flavor. And right as my black eyed peas are about done, I'm going to add some okra to that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I would still think that uh, the only way I'll eat okra is in gumbo or fried, but I, at least I, I do eat some of it there. Yeah, so. well, I'm so proud of you, Kevin. <laughs> the guy who said never. <laughs> you know, you mentioned the crock pot. It reminded me of a story I told Deborah before we came on air. My uh, brother, his uh, oldest brother, is learning to cook some things, uh, and he told me that he had made a caramel pie. So and, proud of him. And it was amazing because I've never heard of this, but apparently it's it's well known. I saw several references online. Uh, but uh, you take uh, two cans of sweetened sweet condensed, condensed milk, yeah. 
and boil it in the can for four hours, and the and it uh, it caramelizes the the stuff in there, and then you just open the can. He did say that it's under pressure, so you've got to be very careful because sometimes it'll spew out of there or ooze out of there. You've just, you want it to cool down just a little bit, Kevin, uh, and before you open the can, one of the things to do is, of course, pick it up with the, you know your mitten or a towel mm-hmm. or whatever, and then run it over the cold water for just a little bit, and then open it up. And he said he uh, put it through his food processor a little bit just to kind of uh, creamy it out a little bit, yeah. but he poured that in there and then you let it set, uh, add the whipped topping. He said, I think it also had some uh, chocolate chips that he put on the top there. So um, it, it's really good. Uh, he said it was uh, it was funny. He took it to uh, his in-laws to, to Thanksgiving and uh, he said, uh, yeah, it must have been really good. I went back to get another piece and there wasn't any left. So Well, that's when you know that things are really good, Kevin. I, um, you know, it's always an honor when you've prepared something and you go back to get some and none is left. So. But again, you know, we're coming up with, with holiday dinners and things. If you're looking for something that's really easy, a little bit time consuming, but easy to prepare because, you know, like I said, once that uh, that caramelizes, you just pour it in the pie shell, uh, put the topping on and you're done. Also, I saw online, uh, if you can't uh, watch it for that long, that you could also Slow cook it. Yeah, put it in the crock pot. Again, you would fill it, uh, w- cover the cans uh, with water. Uh, and let it go for eight hours. When you get home, uh, you would be ready to go ahead and, and uh, make the pie. And to, and to add to that, Kevin, it, once you've uh, created your homemade caramel, for me, the thing to do then is to blend it with some cream cheese, mm-hmm. to um, uh, whip that in with some cream cheese and then pour it into your graham cracker shell. You can add some uh, toasted pecans on top of that and some coconut. You may even want to drizzle some white chocolate or, you know, to just give it an extra, you know, visual appeal. But it really is a quick and easy pie to make simply divine to have for the holiday all right we've got only about a minute left but what is pot liquor soup kevin you don't know what pot liquor is oh my gosh we're getting a divorce (laughs) so if you cooked greens or peas and that liquid that's left in there kevin that's called pot liquor it won't get you drunk okay (laughs) not that kind of liquor no it's not that kind of liquor but it's wonderful to have that warm liquor and then to have it with some cornbread uh it's just absolutely delicious and most southerners kevin do that every sunday after church anyway so but that's you know that's uh, similar i know in the blue apron they're always talking about um uh, what do you call it the stuff left over in the pan they have a fancy name for it. I can't think of what it is, but that's the you know that, and that with a lot of cooking, if you're cooking something, leave the residue in there because obviously that's a lot of flavor source in well, there. Absolutely, but the, the pot liquor is a little bit different, uh, Kevin, because it literally is the liquor itself. Now mm-hmm. you know when you're searing something or you know you get that oil residue with all that yummy uh, flavor that's left in the skillet. That's one thing, but pot liquor is really the water source, or you know whether you used a broth or whatever. Uh, and then you use it with cornbread or just pour it in a cup and drink it up, Kevin. It's <laughs> delicious. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from you, our listeners. Our show was produced today by Sharita Brennan. Our call screener was Jason Klein. So for Deborah Hunter, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed at 11 with Southern Remedy. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio.
This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue. It's good.